0: Eternal Family Podcast Class. So let me take you back to our premise so we can kind of see where we're going to go today. We've been talking about three eternal families. I belong to an eternal family before I was born, the family of God. I am here on earth trying to create a mortal family, and I want, it to, I want to make it last forever. And then if I make covenants with Christ, I can belong to the family of the covenant, where Jesus becomes my father. I gain help. I gain another whole other family of brotherhood and sisterhood of the covenant. And the way the proclamation is organized is we first talk about that eternal family, then this family and then that family. And I would suggest what the what the document is trying to suggest is if you want this mortal family to be eternal, start with that premortal family. If you want to be a better mother or father, be a better child. Not of earthly parents, even though I think that applies. If you want to be a better husband, wife, mother, father, partner, be a better child. And let your parents have a part of your life. Invite them in. Make that a consistent part of your life. And so we talked about connecting with God, letting God in, dropping the barrier that keeps him at a distance and letting him in. Are we vulnerable? Yes. Is that scary? Yes. But let him in. Now, we're going to still take another week in looking back. We're going to look back at eternal parents. So isn't it safe to say that to make this earthly family last forever, I should pattern it after... That family that I know is eternal, right? So the very best model of how to parent is where? Right in front of our face. Where is the best model of how to be success, successful in family? Eternal parents. Eternal parents are the very best model. So allow today, we're just going to talk about how is it that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother parent? What do we learn about parenting from our eternal parents? And allow me to just focus before we jump to anything else. Allow me to just focus on one word. I think it's one of the most important words in the proclamation. Proclamation. Now I think there's a lot of wonderful words in this first paragraph. But I have spent so many years studying this document, allow me to just simply sign I'm going to circle the word. One of the key attributes that make Heavenly Father's family successful is that Heavenly Father puts family where central And I want to just spend a whole day on that idea, putting family central. May I suggest that almost all of what breaks up earthly families is because one or the other or both put family somewhere else. Would you agree? I would, I would be bold enough to suggest that all of our society's problems would find a whole lot of solution if everyone put family central. If every child had a mother and a father who loved them, What would happen to our society if we just did that one little thing? And as I've watched Latter-day Saints and non-Latter-day Saints relationships break, as I've watched marriages break and families break, almost without fail in every case, it's because some one of the parties put something else at the center of their life. Besides family, if the greatest being and the most happy being and the most successful being in the universe places family central, then what's the lesson? Now, I'm going to let him teach the lesson today. And those of you who've been to the temple know that there is a message repeated over and over and over again. You find it in multiple accounts of the scriptures. I can turn to at least three different accounts. And then every single time you go to the temple, he's going to repeat this message. And it took me way too long to finally wake up and say, why is he repeating this? Why is this message so frequently repeated? And the light went on. And I finally heard what he was saying. So allow me to let him say it today. And what I'm talking about is the story of the creation Of the earth now I can find it in Genesis I can also find it in Moses and I can find it in Abraham and every single time you go to the temple and sit through an endowment you're gonna hear the story of the creation of the earth now here's the thing you've got to know the question he's answering when he tells you about the creation of the earth I have a degree in biology molecular biology from the University of Utah you know which question I would love him to answer How did you create the earth? He is not answering that question. It is not his purpose in any of these accounts to tell you how. Let's get the question. Go back to Moses, chapter one, verse 30. Moses, chapter one, verse 30, has the question for which Moses two is the answer. Now, Moses two are the six creative periods. But the question he's answering, you have to go back and hear it from Moses' own lips. Moses chapter 1, verse 30. What was the question? Not how. Not how long. Not where. What was the question that the story of the creation is the answer? Why did you make this earth? Why is there an earth? Why tell me, I pray thee, why these things are so? Now, if you will just remember that the question, the question he's asking, or the, sorry, the question he's answering is why. Now I'm going to go through his answer and you see if you can tell me why did he make the earth? So now he's gonna go through the six creative periods. Not in a scientific order, he's not explaining the science of it, he's explaining the purpose of it. So let's break it down into dates. All right, verses one through, I gotta, I can't show all of them, how's that? All right, here's day one. Day one is verse two through five, notice the morning and the night were the end of the first day. So day number one, tell me what he creates. Okay, not photons light. He didn't turn the light on in terms of photons that come from the sun or from a light bulb. What is the light he separated from darkness? There are two other words that are synonyms to this light. Doctrine and Covenants 88, we won't take the time, but if you read section 88, the two synonyms are? Life and law. There is a law in every one of Heavenly Father's creations and his creations obey the law that he's given to that creation. So he gave our earth a law and it began to obey the law. He gave our earth light and life. He made the planet come to life. God created an earth that is alive and obeys a law. And that was what happened on day one. I like the word light, but I think what I wanna illustrate is life. God brought life to the planet. Now, then he gave an assessment. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a little brother or a little sister or a niece or a nephew draw you a picture and hand it to you and you said you gave an assessment of their drawing Joe, can give me a couple words that you would use with your, with your little niece or nephew who drew you this little scribble okay. nothing more than chicken scratch and you said amazing. amazing is a great word this is amazing if, if a teacher gave you the grade of amazing, what would you know about it? Now, what word does God use to describe giving life to a planet? It's good. Now, I don't know about you, but if a professor in college had written good on my paper, I would be disappointed. That's not the grade I was going for. I don't want good. Good is just mediocre. But what's he saying? Tell me what's the question. What's the question he's answering? Why did I create the earth? Tell me what he's starting to say. I brought life to a planet and his attitude was? Check. (laughs) What's he saying? What's the unspoken statement? Okay, this is, I needed this. Now get to the next one, because this is not the reason I created this. God doesn't show off his creative powers. Look what I can do. (sharp) 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 And brings universes into existence. That's not what I did. He simply just said, okay, check, that's a good world. Imagine Jesus comes back to Heavenly Father and says, look what I made. and, And Heavenly Father says, okay, good. Okay, so there's more. Yes, let's get to the more. All right, day two. Let's get to day two. And you got to, this splits over two columns. So let me just kind of do this. Day two is verse six through verse 10. Now, in order to have food for our children to eat, we got to separate water and dirt. I need to be able to grow some food. So let me get the water system going. Let me water the earth. So this is all about water and land. Now, do you see why is he doing that? Why is he separating water and land? So he can grow food. And why why does he want to grow food? You see, we're getting to his purpose here. So he separates the land and the water. And what's his assessment of day two? Okay, check. Good job. Good, good waterfall there, son. That's a great that's a good river and that's a good ocean. And the rain I can see. Yep. Good. Good job. Now, allow me to be a little facetious, but aren't you kind of the kid saying, I did better than that, right? But he's trying to make a commentary on why this, why is there rain? And it's not just for the sake of rain. There's a reason there's rain. There's a reason there's water. And so he says, it's good. Okay, check, move on. Let's get to my purpose. All right, day three. Now that we have, we've watered the earth, what can we now do? Again, don't buy the science. We've got to have a lot more things in place to grow plants. But he's not explaining how. He's just trying to teach why. So day number three, let's start planting some food. I need food. And I need lots of variety because some of you are going to be allergic to wheat. (laughs) and milk, and some of you aren't going to like vegetables, so let me just plant a whole lot of variety. I'll throw some sugar in there. I'll grow some sugar. I'm going to grow plants. Now, if his purpose, if his purpose is to eat, then this is the culminating day. Now allow me, I I don't mean to be facetious, but I know a lot of people who live simply to eat. They live to eat. And Heavenly Father is trying to subtly say, that's not why I live. That's not at the center. I need plants, yes. And so after planting, after, after all that, after the sugar and the vegetables and the incredible plants, what's his assessment of the day? Check, good job. Now we have food, but that's not my purpose. The food is leading to my purpose. I needed rain for food and I need food to get to my ultimate purpose. All right, now we can't really have all that we need without season. So we gotta tilt the earth a little bit and rotate it around the sun and have it dark half the day and light half the day. We gotta have winter where everything dies and summer and spring where everything grows. And so day four, he puts this planet into orbit and he orbits it around the sun And there's two great lights. There's a light to rule the day. There's a light to rule the night. There's four seasons. We've got everything now in motion. And when he puts the earth, so sun, moon, stars. And his assessment is? That's good. Check. Again, I'm just wondering if Jesus comes back saying, it's a pretty good son <laughs> I think it's pretty great I think we're doing a pretty good job with this earth and my father just keeps saying it passes he's trying to make a point right what's the point he's trying to make so Sun moon and stars day four. Oh, I didn't put it in the screen day four what's the assessment it's good Okay, it passes. But this isn't my purpose. All right, now day five, we get a necessary part of our existence. And I know you all agree, that little dog of yours is just as much a part of your life as your child. (laughs) And we can't live without them. And let's all admit it, we need to eat a few of them. And some of you may choose not to, and I understand that, but a lot of people choose to, and they are a necessary part for our benefit, for our companionship, for our comfort, for our work. They are a necessary part of our life. And so day five, let's add all the animals we love and we need. And bugs and and birds fish, great whales, and after making animals, both food, companionship, all of the above, what's his assessment of day five? Here it is, he says it twice in day five, I love that. He says it at the end of day five, and then he says it almost as a summary of everything else. First, the assessment of day five. Okay, animals, good job. That is a good elephant. That's a good blue whale. That's a good ant. Good job on good job on the ants. <laughs> and I'm just like, I think it's a really good ant. <laughs> Do you know what that ant can carry? The blue whale can't, not that, not in proportion to its size. Look at that ant. I wonder if the ant could carry the blue whale. <laughs> and all I get is a good. This is incredible, but again, he knows the purpose, so I'm just being facetious, but you get the idea, right? This is not his purpose. Now we get to day six. Now this is where those of you been to the temple need to pay close attention. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, he sends Jesus. Not on day six. Day six, he says, we will go down. Now, I... This is not church doctrine. Don't, don't, I'm just, let me just... So here's the Father. And here's Jehovah. And we've got Michael, Adam and he's been sending them down. Day six, we will go down. And you're probably thinking, this is the we. I would suggest to you, this is the we. We will now go down. We will go down. You checked all the boxes that we now need, and we will go down. Notice he says in verse 26 let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Now, what was he talking about? If you, jump to, if you jump to verse 27, I, God, created man in mine own image, in the image of mine only begotten created I him. Male and female created I them. So who's the let us make man in our image? Unless there's a mother, how could we have had an Eve? Let us make them in our image and what they made was a little bit deeper than a male and a female. I think verse 27 has to be seen as part of day six. I think verse 27 is significant. What? Sorry, verse 28. We have to see verse 28 in terms of the creation of day six. Tell me what Heavenly Father made on day six. It doesn't use the word, but I think we're smart enough to hear it. He made a male, he made a female, and then told them to be fruitful. Tell me what he made on day six, a family. On day six, I'm going to erase it here. Let me erase this. On day six, he created a family. Now there's food for that family to eat. There's trees for them to build a house with. There's metal in the earth. They can make everything that they need. But what the crowning achievement of his creation was a family. And his assessment is very good. Now, did he, in your opinion, answer the question? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why did you come? Why do you go to school? Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you work? Why do you study? It's the same answer. It's the answer to all the wise. The reason God made an earth is to create families because he knew the greatest source of happiness for him and for us is family. Now, a couple second witnesses. Turn with me to the first. The first received section of the Doctrine and Covenants. It's not section one. I'll give you a hint. It's not section one. Section one was received a year and a half after the church was organized at a conference to decide whether or not we should print the revelations. The Lord answered with section one and in verse six of section one called section one the preface. So put this first and print them. So what was the first section received? Section two. Joseph is 17. 17. He's 17 when he receives section two, the night Moroni comes. And tell me what Moroni said. According to the inspired version, this is different than Malachi's version. According to Moroni's version, Moroni said to Joseph, I'm going to send you Elijah. Elijah. Now, does Elijah have anything to do with creating families? Not necessarily. Elijah has a lot to do with. Which does what? But why Elijah? Moses has Melchizedek priests and he doesn't mention Moses. Why Elijah? Sealing. I'm going to. Now that we've created the ability to create them. I'm now going to send the ability to save them. And what word does he use over and over again to describe this work? Great Great and marvelous. He uses that word over and over again. And I wonder if he's trying to say being able to survive, good. Creating a family, very good. Saving that family is marvelous now back to section two after he says he's sending Elijah who will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children so we can save the whole family we've got to read the end of verse the, the end of section two if I don't send Elijah tell me what the Lord said to Joseph Smith if I don't send Elijah then this whole earth was a waste. Now I know there's a terrestrial and a telestial kingdom, but what doesn't exist according to our scriptures in terrestrial and telestial kingdoms? Family. And I know that there was a part of the earth to get to the terrestrial. And that's, you know, some people just want terrestrial and some people just want celestial. But he says, if I don't send you Elijah. Then this whole earth was what? A waste. Now, I can't speak for you. I'm only going to speak for me, but I will testify with every ounce of my soul. that if my family doesn't end up sealed for eternity, my whole life and everything I did was a waste because there is no other happiness that will compare. Where is your heart compared to his? Where are your priorities compared to his? I spent a lot of time, when I was your age, I spent a lot of time being able to grow some plants and being able to eat them symbolically. I wanted to learn how to do a profession so I could get a paycheck. But what was the whole point of the, what's the whole point of the paycheck? The whole point of my paycheck is a family. And if I forget that, and if I get caught up in the paycheck and forget the purpose for which I I, I earned it, which is so easy to do, right? It's so easy to do to, to get caught up in a good thing. My Heavenly Father saying, if we don't create and save families, then to Him, to me, this whole life, this whole earth was a waste. Again, I can only speak for me, but if my family doesn't end up sealed for eternity, then my education. And all the hours I put into it were a waste of time. If my family doesn't end up sealed and saved for eternity, then all the time I spent in a career, all the hours I worked and earned were a waste of time. Now that's a heavy doctrine. And I realize that family can be a source of pain as well. But do you see the priority he's trying to suggest? For Heavenly Father, family is central. Now, can I give you a second witness? I just, I really like this one and I like the repetition, but can I give you a second witness as to what he's trying to teach There was an interesting prophecy made when he restored the priesthood. Now this is, why did we create the earth? Why is there an earth? Now, can I ask you a question? Why did he send the priesthood? Why is there priesthood? And by extension, why are there priesthood ordinances? Why are there temples? Why is there sacrament? Why is there baptism? Why did he send priesthood to the earth? So let's let's watch out. Let me watch. Let's just let's just peel this out. Let's go to section 13 when he first the first step was giving the Aaronic priesthood. Right. So they're translating the gold plates. They read about baptism. Neither of them have been baptized. They go out to the banks of the Susquehanna River, which, by the way, the church re, just redid a beautiful monument to the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood in Pennsylvania. You should go see it. So they go out to the banks of the Susquehanna River and John the Baptist shows up and confers the priesthood upon them, the Aaronic priesthood. In so doing, section 13, he makes a prophecy. And he says, let's read it. Doctrine and Covenants section 13 is the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood. And I confer upon you the priesthood of Aaron. Here are the keys. Now notice this. This priesthood shall never be taken again from the earth. Now, Joseph's going to use the word until. Joseph's going to say, I will make sure there is no apostasy. This is a significant prophecy. There will not be another apostasy until this happens. I restored the priesthood, and it won't go away until... Now, he uses some keywords. Let me write the keywords. So who's going to be who's going to do it? Who's going to be involved here? Sons of Aaron. Okay, sons of Aaron are going to do what? So sons of Levi, sorry. He's going to add Aaron later. We'll stick with the Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Sons of Levi are going to do what? Love. Sons of Levi are going to offer an offering sons of Levi are going to offer an offering and it has to be done in righteousness okay those are the three pieces we have so far at the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood the sons of Levi someday now there won't be an apostasy The the priesthood will not be taken away until this happens. Now, Oliver uses a different word. I don't know if they heard it differently. I can't explain why Oliver used a different word. And the Lord uses Oliver's word. So I'm not trying in any way to suggest Joseph's word is wrong. This is great right here, but Oliver heard a different word at the very back of the Pearl of Great Price. So go to Joseph Smith's history in the Pearl of Great Price after Joseph's account. When the verses come to an end, the font changes. So go to that moment where the font changes. Joseph Smith's history at the very end after verse 77, 75. Then there's a line and then the font changes right now. Oliver is speaking. Find Oliver's. It's the last paragraph. No, not the last paragraph. Second to last last paragraph. Now tell me the word Oliver used. Instead of until. This priesthood won't go away until. Oliver used a different word. Let me highlight. Do you all see it? The word Oliver used is. Oh, that's horrible. Let me make it straight. Mm -hmm. Oliver used the word that. Now, how's that different? Until would say nothing's going to happen. No apostasy. The church isn't going to be destroyed. I'm not going to let anything interfere. So that it happens. But what does this word suggest? The whole purpose of the priesthood is to make that offering. I am restoring the priesthood so that the sons of Levi can make this offering. That was Oliver's word. Now, Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord's gonna use that same word as that, and I'll show you that in just a minute. But I think the idea here is, I'm giving you the priesthood so that the sons of Levi will offer an offering, and I'm going to make sure nothing interferes and stops the progress of this work so that we can do it. Now, let's, let's add to it. Go to section thir- or 84, huge section on the priesthood. Section 84, verse 33, we talk about the oath and covenant of the priesthood. Now, by this time, we've added Melchizedek. Section 13 was just ironic, but now we've added Melchizedek. Not 88, why am I in 88? Okay, so here's the Oath and Covenant, but let's go back a few verses before the Oath and Covenant. Let's go back to verse 31, section 84. 84, 31, and tell me what we add. As I said concerning the sons of Moses. That's different. For the sons of Moses and also the sons of, Of Aaron now it makes sense that he would say sons of Levi in section 13 because that's the only priesthood we have but what priesthood do we have now so it's clearly not just Aaronic priesthood it's Aaronic and Melchizedek so now we're gonna see we're gonna add to this it's the sons of Moses and Aaron so Melchizedek and Aaronic priesthoods Now, what do we have to add? He adds this word, shall offer an acceptable. So in addition to righteousness, it has to be acceptable. So the sons of Moses and Aaron shall offer an acceptable offering. Now he's going to tell us where, where is the offering going to occur? In the temple. Not in front of, in, in the temple. Now, I know a lot of people have written about this offering. I don't want to contradict any one of them. I just want to point out Joseph Smith's statement as to how this gets fulfilled. Turn to section 128, Doctrine and Covenants 128, how does joseph smith see this playing out the very end of 128 now 128 is all about work of baptism right it's baptism for the dead doctrine and covenant section 128 is about baptism for the dead now let's jump to 24 Behold, the great day of the Lord is at hand, and who can abide the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? That's from, that's from Malachi, right? And what was the last thing Malachi talked about? The coming of Elijah. There's a connection here. For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He shall purify the sons of Levi, And purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. See, we're right back to that subject. Sons of Levi are going to offer an offering in righteousness. Now Joseph takes over and says, Let us therefore as a church and as a people. So who's going to make the offering?" It is not holders of the priesthood. This is not limited to holders of the priesthood. It's all of us using the ordinances of the priesthood. Let us as a church and as a people and as Latter-day Saints offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Now, what does he see is the offering? What does Joseph Smith see as the entire reason the priesthood was restored? the whole reason we have temples and baptismal fonts and we take the sacrament and we go on missions, the whole reason there's priesthood is so that we can do what someday? Hand the Lord a book containing all the records of our dead. That's the offering. It has to be acceptable. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it is not acceptable yet. Would you agree? The book is not acceptable. Why not? Because some of you aren't in it, and your children aren't in it, and your grandchildren aren't in it. And some of your ancestors aren't in it. And it won't be acceptable until when? Everyone's in it. Now I want you to think about sacred places and books on sacred altars, books with names on altars. You see what Heavenly Father's doing? You got it, right? You made the connection. The whole reason there's a temple, the whole reason there's priesthood is for what reason? To seal families and to put them in that book and present it to him as acceptable. My life will not be over. My life will not have been acceptable until what? I have done everything I can to help everyone I love to get their name in that book, including you. My life is not going to be fully acceptable to him. Or my offering to him is not going to be acceptable until I have done all that I can to raise my voice and to get your name in the book. That's why there's priesthood. That's why there's institute. That's why there's a the Book of Mormon. And if we don't create eternal families, if we don't get everyone's name in that book that we can possibly get, then is it fair to say that this whole earth was what? A waste. Now, do we need a lot of help finishing the book? Yes. Do some people temporarily think they don't want to be in the book? Yes. Do we beat them over the head and put their name in the book anyway? No, we don't. We love them and we're patient and we're kind and we hope and we pray and we fast and we do everything we can in hopes that someday they will add their names to that book. But first I got to get my name in the book and I got to add my wife's name as a couple, as a family and I have 10 to add and each of those 10 have one to add and right now those 10 have nine to add And we're just starting. I leave you my solemn testimony, however you wanna see this. I just wanted to point out how God sees this. And going back to where we began, where does Heavenly Father put family? And may I suggest that He is revealing the secret of success and the secret of happiness. I would suggest that there is no happier being than Heavenly Father. And if you want His happiness, you follow His pattern and you put family at the center. Don't get caught up in good things and forget what's marvelous. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for joining us for the Eternal Family Podcast class. This has been class number three, learning to parent like your eternal parents.